one of the best inventions ever was the book. A book lets you zoom through time and space, but don't bother packing. You can stay in one place. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. This is episode 62, Books Made by Robots. We've got special guests Brian Rushwood and Mike Loam on the show today. Stay tuned and learn all about the robot that writes books. It writes books. This is the Book Guys Show. My name is Paul Alves, joined as always by a awesome panel of book lovers, aficionados, authors, readers, everything. <laughs> Happy Merry New Year, Professor Allen. How you doing, sir? 2013, so far, so good. <laughs> Professor's blog, of course. Where can they reach you on Twitter? On the tweeters. At Professor Allen, A-L-A-N. Uh, and also joining us, Free Hollow Books on Twitter. Sir Jimmy, how you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to everybody and, and you guys there in the world. Good to be back. Very nice. Uh, Padre can't make it today. He's on the floor of CES. I told him to hunt down some book readers for us, some new uh, book technology. And uh, joining us today all the way from Scam School, from the NSFW show, the one and only Brian Brushwood returns. How you doing, Brian? Yeah, dude, it feels good to take Padre Balasar's spot. I'm, I'm going to uh, bless you now. Somebody <laughs> sneeze so I can bless you. <laughs> I keep expecting to see him come around behind you and, like, you know, do what he does on NSFW. <laughs> Exercise him. <laughs> Cast yeah. him out. Uh, we're joined also by another author and friend of the show, Mike Luoma, all the way. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Happy 2013. Happy 2013. All the way from glowinthedarkradio.com is where you hang out, I believe. Indeed. Glowinthedarkradio.com, and that leads you to links to everything. Excellent. Excellent. So we're back. It's a new year, gentlemen. Uh, we got a bunch of book news this week because we haven't done it in a couple of weeks. I guess we'll go through that. But uh, I'm going to start off, uh, as we usually do, by asking what's on your Kindles, what's on your nightstands? What's up? <laughs> Professor Allen, what's new with you, buddy? I am just about finished with an excellent uh, novel by Mike Carey called The Devil You Know. And uh, Mike Carey is one of those guys we've talked about, I guess, uh, Greg Rucka. Brad Meltzer, these guys mm -hmm. that can move Peter David, guys that can move from writing comic books into writing novels. And uh, I've read a bunch of his comic work, and this is a first novel of his I read. Basically, sort of an urban fantasy feel. A uh, good thing the father's not here. Uh, the main character is a, <laughs> quote, freelance exorcist. Okay. Just leave it, leave it at that. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, Jimmy, what's new with you, man? What's going on? 
I just finished up, as a matter of fact, this evening, not an hour before the show, uh, Kill Decision by Daniel Suarez. Nice. All about drones and uh, the coming apocalypse that they shall bring. I, I enjoyed his other stuff. I'm going to hit up uh, Kill Decision soon. That was uh, It's been recommended by a lot of people. Um, I just got, uh, just started, I'll, sh- I'll show you guys all later. I'm going to post it on the site, uh, pictures. I got a book. Uh, Greg the book guy used to be one of the hosts here. He was in Cuba and got me a nice book called The Seven League Giant. It's not by an author. It's by the Cuban State Security Center for Historical Research, Ministry of the Interior. So (laughs) this is current day as of today. Like it was literally bought like three days ago. Cuban anti-American propaganda book. But I wasn't expecting something like from something like the Ministry of Truth to be dry, you know, pages of text. Look at this thing. It's gorgeous. This is, like, this is designed for you to sit down with your children and teach them how evil America is. <laughs> but it's brilliantly um, But it's all in English, though, right? It's all in English and, I mean, <laughs> verbose, good, you know, uh, professorial Designed English. clearly for the Canadian audience. No. <laughs> it's all written in an American accent. <laughs> but uh, interesting. I'm going to go through it and uh, sort of... Maybe fact check as I go along, just in case the Ministry of Truth isn't telling the Next truth. Next time we see you, you got you got a Che Guevara shirt on. You're <laughs> wearing right. like a red beret. I'm going to write. You're revolution. <laughs> that beard is getting there. That beard is starting to. Uh, you know what? I, I, I know a picture that I have of myself that's going to go along with that post. You guys will actually. You just described it pretty much right there. Amazing. Uh, Mike, what's new with you, buddy? What's going on? Oh man, I've been keeping busy. I, I actually I'm I'm starting up a comic book imprint of my own. Oh I, I, I had, exciting. I had been working had been working with these guys out of California called Earthbound Comics, and they decided they were gonna fold. Okay. But I'm collaborating with about four different artists on on projects right now that were gonna be coming out through Earthbound. And so I've decided to start up Glow in the Dark Radio Comics, which is something I have done in the past. But now I'm starting it up as an actual imprint and we're going to be putting books out, and I. Are you be doing uh, e versions as well? What's that? Are you be doing e versions as well, or just print? Or well, both? it's funny. I, I I've done uh, audio book versions of some of the comic book stories. Okay, and you can actually listen to those. Some of the Alibi Jones stuff. Alibi Jones is a character I, I write both novels and comics about, and so I've actually converted some of the comic book stories into audio books that you can listen to at patiobooks.com as well as the novels. Excellent. Send me some links, and I will, I'll post a thing in the show notes on the site. Sounds great. Absolutely, Mike. Keep us posted. Yeah, is there an audio for the yeah, just uh, really Vatican said. Assassin yet? There is audio for Vatican Assassin, absolutely. Okay, we're diving into that later. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, Brian Brushwood, how you doing, sir? Your studio gets better every time I see you. I'll tell you, you like what, add man, something every week. I'm certainly sinking enough money into this thing. The biggest upgrade is we just upgraded to, uh, like, I wasn't going to spend any more money on it. And then Black Friday happened, and somebody pointed out that these Lumix GH2s, which I'm told are what the, the, the place, uh, what the Verge is using for all their live streams, they're normally like 1000 bucks, Sam, for four ninety nine each. I'm like, oh, I got it. I got to do that. So now I look like, now it looks like um, Brian's studio, the movie now. Yes. Does uh, my I think my webcam? If it broke right now, I'd be like, guys, hang on, I'm going to the gas station. I'll be right back. <laughs> you got the gear <laughs> there, my friend. Much, I've been doing a lot of reading though, being a you know working uh, 
being at home, taking care of the new baby and so on, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. I'm coming off like a year-long bender of really deep uh, philosophical novels that make you more optimistic, like, uh, you know, The Rational Optimist or Abundance, or mm-hmm. I just finishing, uh, finished reading The Moral Lives of Animals. So I wanted something fun and goofy. So I'm actually reading the new Timothy Zahn book, uh, Star Wars Scoundrels. Nice. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven with uh, Han Solo and uh, Lando Calrissian. Yeah, I hope he's not writing books right now. I hope he's writing a screenplay, to be honest. Timothy Zahn? Uh, oh, shoot, <laughs> my gosh, yeah. Give, give Disney a chance. First, write a first refusal right. on that one. I, when I see pictures of Disneyland now, I picture that he's up in the castle writing at a, t- a little old-fashioned Maybe typewriter. The magic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Timothy Zahn, like he just he just dominated. I mean, for me, he, he all the best Star Wars expanded universe books were uh, Timothy Zahn books, both the uh, Heir to the Empire trilogy. But what I loved even more was kind of the the con man story that the the, the duopoly. What, what do you call it? Du- trilogy, a duology? Is that what you would call two books? Hmm. A biology? I'd <laughs> call them a call pair. It? <laughs> a pair of books <laughs> the pair of books where they uh, where they essentially tried to resurrect the rumor of grand emerald thrawn was a lot of fun too nice or as uh douglas adams would probably call it a trilogy in two parts yes there we <laughs> go <laughs> ah yes we have lots of book news guys do you want to uh, maybe go through a couple of the stories right off the top of the show what do you say i Let's dare you to. all right a double dog dare you Let's start right off with this one. Sir Jimmy, since you sent this to me and I looked into it, I've been dying to talk about it, but we haven't done a show in like, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. Programmer creates 800,000 books algorithmically. What? (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so, because we've heard of programs that write music. You're telling me this thing just writes because I've heard of, I've heard about this for news uh, articles on sporting events where they'll take the raw feed of the scores and uh, they, they will have phrases that sort of analyze the news and they'll put colorful right. adjectives in it to create a sports article. But whole books. So Philip M. Parker, marketing professor at INSEAD, I-N-S-E-A-D, whatever that is, uh, has patented a system for algorithmically compiling data into book form. So this isn't like a concept. This is. This guy's done it. Uh, he's done it to the point where there are now 800,000 of his titles for sale on Amazon, all created by oh, the intelligent algorithm. So he gives it, a, you know, you well, give it a topic. It scours the 800, web. Like 800,000 are there right now on the shelves? Yes. Not like he could <laughs> upload them? Like he has them up? It's a, the story says, this is according to uh, Ziff, one of the Ziff Davis's extremetech.com. Uh, he, he already has 800,000 titles, name, separate name titles. One of them. I'm going to look at it right now. <laughs> name one. We are going to look them up right now, live on the air. <laughs> I wonder if it'd be what's, under... What's the algorithm called? Shakespeare's Monkey? <laughs> Shakespeare's Monkey, yes. We knew Brian oh my God. would be all over there. It's worse. So I look up Philip M. Parker, right? And do this. Yeah, P-H-I-L-I-P. Middle initial M. Holy cow. Parker. Showing one of 16 of 113,597 <laughs> results. So this oh thing's God. probably making like 20,000 books a week. And they're interesting. It's like, um, here we go. Let's go down. I'm going to pick one at random. Uh, number three. Okay. Webster's English to Spanish crossword puzzles. Level two. <laughs> so, the, <laughs> so the thing is even making like trilogies. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So he's taking content that is that is legal to to grab from. That's and putting right. These together. Effects or a three-in-one medical reference. There's medical references here. It's scary. 
Oh man. <laughs> so he has over a hundred thousand titles. What do you guys think of this? Like, what's the quality of this book? I mean, we have to. Now I've I've put myself in the corner. Now I have to buy one of these books of a topic that I know something about. <laughs> he's got you. And go through it, right? He's selling them for fifteen dollars a piece too. No, he's paperback. That's right, and they have ebook version as well. Good lord. <laughs> The man's a genius. Have any soul. <laughs> the man's a genius. <laughs> Rushwood, he's I mean, taking it like, to the whole new level. You, I know you did it. You did the whole crowdsource thing, but this guy's got it. You know, he's oh, running sure. out. Of- no, if I could, if we could have gotten a robot to algorithmically write our book, <laughs> we would have. But, but to be honest, it's like if you're caught buying one of these, it's. I, I don't want to say it's your own fault because it implies you're getting screwed because you, you're getting the the specific knowledge that you want because it looks like these are all knowledge books that right. are arranged by computer to present information in a sensible way but it's like if if you're of the internet then these all seem silly to you because books are an artifact of an antiquated way to access knowledge um in 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 many regards so in this case if you know i don't know i don't know that anyone buying the book feels ripped off and so all he did was take the internet and make a book of it and so <laughs> I think he is being a little careful. <laughs> you, you just said what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it sounds like he's doing, essentially, right? It really does. It really does. You know what? Some of these you are, either, are insane. You could read a glossary or you could read, you know, read a glossary in book form. The official yeah. patient's yeah. source book on corneal transplant surgery. Do you really want an algorithm writing that book for you? And, and if, if you're pulling this stuff off the web, are there copyright issues? Uh, um, well, hmm. it depends. It depends because, like, uh, what copyright is is you could take essentially a factual book that somebody else wrote and restate the entire book from beginning to end uh, as long as you don't have what is it three words in a row that are right. all the same or something like that. You you can even use excerpt. I believe can you not use an excerpt from a actual news item as well? Sure, uh, so, fair use, but not if you're re- repackaging and reselling without. Without uh, well, Neil, the algorithm look, looks at you know five hundred different sources, takes out the nuggets, right. and compiles them into some sort of readable book. I, there can't be proofreading going on. He put out eight hundred thousand freaking books. This it's is worse than like Patterson email. You know, it's got it. <laughs> well, I guess if you if you pulled an excerpt and then you had some commentary on the excerpt, then that would be you know that seems like fair use. Was, was it not Patterson we were talking about who now has like this team of uh, writers that helps him put out like 50 oh, yeah. books a year? And we're harping on the poor guy. He's sitting there with, you know, 10 writers in a room. And, you know, then you see this guy, Mr. Parker. He's sitting there with a server farm and they're pumping out books, you know, at 500 per second. You know, Mr. Patterson, I apologize. Everything <laughs> we said about you hiring extra Come on writers. The show. Here's the other thing, too. If he's actually publishing these books, then obviously he believes in them enough that he's paying whatever nominal fee you have to to get an ISBN reserved and to, to go through the, the, the tangible costs right. to get it published. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, he perceives that there's some kind of value to it. And let's say, let's say each book costs him $5 to get up and running – I mean, it's like he's not hurting anything. He's not squeezing out shelf space for anyone else. It gets, it gets better. So Mr. Parker, he envisions a time when you could order a book off Amazon that hasn't been written yet, and the algorithm will write it for you. However, oh, I love the quote here. Unfortunately, Amazon does not allow you to list or sell books that have not yet been created. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> keeping the man down. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what, though. This guy... 
uh, okay, try this on for size. All this is practice. All this is him figuring out the algorithm, tweaking it, getting it started. But when he puts it to the test and where he makes billions of dollars, and I'm serious with yeah. a B, is when he sells the book, The Story of You, the biography yes. of you and your name. When, think about it because once all these millennials, they will have their digital life on the internet from day yeah. one out there to where an algorithm could go process figure out algorithmically which are the best looking photos that are most photogenic or what the milestone mm-hmm. uh, moments they are or based on the responses the number of likes what the most important events in these people's lives were grab from news articles and he can write a 200 300 page this is great because we used to have to Brilliant. rely on yeah. grandchildren to tell us the story of our lives now we're going to have computers do it yeah and it's even better because yeah. he, he'll produce a paperback for you so let's say I, I, we have a guest coming up. We don't really know him. I can go to the algorithm and say, you know, I'd like to learn about Brian Brushwood in 50 pages or less or 200 pages. It'll spit out a book on Brian Brushwood. And uh, I can wanna, actually sit in the you know the subway and read it in physical form. Do you want to know the weird part is I strongly suspect that these computer-generated biographies will be more accurate than the biographies we read nowadays. Because <laughs> the ones we read nowadays are colored by after-the-fact rationalizations right. for why people did things, people misremembering the past. Like, they will get the authentic sauce, the, the authentic gust- right as it happened and preserve it in the page this is amazing <laughs> Dick, uh, it will be, it, uh, it, in my it, time would be it, it will, <laughs> i don't know if it'll be accurate but it'll be majority i don't know if that's quite the same thing you'll get Crowdsourced. a majority and a popular i don't know how if that necessarily equates with accurate this is a great I business it, it, i love it effective yeah, let's, let's yeah, now, think, you know, people uh, always love spending money on themselves. If if you've got something yeah. that they can spend their money on themselves, they will buy it. Now, now, Mike, well, now you think the algorithm might be able to start doing comic books as well? Well, if it comes to that, I'm going to have to like kill it. I don't know how, but <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, they've they've tried to have machines illustrate things, and that doesn't work. Kill it with yeah. fire. Well, there's there's a really good article in Wired magazine this week talking about how robots are going to come for your job, and you should be happy about that because it's going to free you up to get a much better, more interesting job. And and let's take the comic book thing for example. Like, there's which would you rather do? Write a single comic book, or let's say robots got to the point where you could sketch out an epic saga of of twenty issues. Right knowing that you could trust this algorithm to get it right because you've worked with it in the past and then all of a sudden you can in the same amount of time tell a much bigger much more interesting story increasing your throughput before before you die and as as readers we understand that certain genres have certain conventions you know by page x this has to happen there there's a three act structure you could you can you know legitimately build some of that basic structure if it's a mystery we have to have some some false leads and some dead ends before we uh before we solve it we have to have a red herring appeared about this page etc you you it's know not that crazy you know where we've already seen this in our lifetime is the advent of computer graphics you know going back to the last starfighter had computer graphics that were novel and terrible you know the original tron and then you went up to, to Babylon 5 was the first you know, science fiction television show to stop using physical models, and they really stuck out with like sore thumbs. Uh, but then somewhere around late 90s, early 2000s, they became a convention, and now it's kind of ridiculous. You know, it's like, well, of course you're just going to CGI this thing. You're going to add these digital enhancements because that's the superior way to tell this story. Right. But not always. Sometimes, you know, 
a nice uh, plastic tube full of uh, fake blood works uh, as all uh, you know inglorious bastards <laughs> oh you I, could I even agree. i can even imagine people uh having books that are being written by them posthumously wow absolutely <laughs> like once it cuz think about it by the time you die like already Already, I, and we're, we're going to see it first, and we've seen some crude versions of this right now. We've seen some joke things where it analyzes your last 2,000 tweets and then composed, what was it, uh, is my next tweet, I think is what it was called. Maybe I got that wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but basically, or, or maybe could be my next tweet. But it looks at your past tweet, jumbles them together, chops them up, and makes something that could conceivably be your next, your next tweet. But, but now we're hitting the point where most Twitter users have between 20,000 and 60,000 tweets that they've been doing for so many years that, that I, I think, I think algorithmically you could kind of crack the code of the voice of someone's tweet. And once you do that, it's like a, it's like deep blue, man. It's just a matter of time till it gets your voice right for, for everything. <laughs> yeah. We got a new, uh, new Tolkien book coming out next year. Uh, Brian, I, I went to, uh, that can be my next tweet while you were talking and put in my username. Here we go. Here's a book guys show. We vary from Beetle Excrement. Christmas, everyone, from comic books of my. <laughs> All right, let me try mine. That could be my next tweet.com. Uh, oh, that can be my next tweet.com is, is the actual URL. Uh, I'm trying to call it up right now. There we Nope, that's not it at all. No, it's. Um, sorry, I will get it for you. It is. Yes dot that can dot b slash my slash next slash tweet. Oh. Good lord, <laughs> just Google it. <laughs> just Google my next tweet. You'll find it. Slash tweet. Okay, here we go. And uh, enter. Wait. Oh, your enter name. Oh, you just punch in. I'm going to put in Schwood there. It's, okay, this is actually does sound like me. Dude, I do. That explains my hair normal. All appeared to do really great stuff in NSFW show episodes. <laughs> I got, I got, Sir Jimmy, you got yours up? I got, I just put you in. Just, we might as well go around the table here. Let's see, let's have it. Three new hollow books and vote. Google this, the space station pass overhead. <laughs> That's me, man. That's me. All right. Somebody want to do me? I don't have my computer going. Yeah, what's, what's uh, your, okay, I got mine. I got, I got mine. Hey, do yours, Professor Allen. Awesome. We'll do Mike's. Uh, Professor Allen's is golf club accessory. Enjoying the show. Thanks, bro. Have had continuing episodes. The most influential. Nice. <laughs> Mike, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Just at Mike Luoma. M-I-K-E-L-U-O-M-A. You don't actually get disappointed. Found YouTube video for the living wage. All allowed to shit. <laughs> oh that's brilliant Sweet. <laughs> i'll put a link to this in the show notes as well so you can all have fun actually i'm going to tweet it out how would we do that tweet how do you tweet things <laughs> yeah now now paul back to this original story the what was the profession of this guy who wrote the 800,000 books? Uh, he was a marketing professor at... Ah, well, NC. see, I think that explains it. We should never let those people run free. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and going, going from a good business model, this guy generating hundreds of thousands of books to uh, what I think is a really poor business model. There's a startup coming out of Poland called Legimi. L-E-G-I-M-I. So they're starting a kind of a Spotify... 
subscription service for ebooks. Uh, they were having a nightmare of a time getting licensing to do this because it's kind of hard. I mean, even audiobooks.com, you know, had a hard time starting up and, and doing that. You know, pay once a month and get, you know, unlimited ebooks. So they figured that the average person reads one ebook or less per month. So in, in their brilliance, they, they said, well, why don't we just buy the ebooks as our customers ask for them? We'll, buy, we'll pay retail for them from Amazon. So you pay your $6, it's equivalent of $6 a month, and then you can start downloading as many ebooks as you want. And right. Legimi gets this, charged for each one you download. Is, is, this a, is this the literary equivalent of a Ponzi scheme? Is this book Ponzi going on? I, th- I think this is a company that's going to go out of business really quickly because, I mean, the average ebook reader is not going to sign up for, you know, pay whatever, like a $10, like a Netflix type of money, 8 or $9 a month. Because uh, they might not read a book this month, they'll just buy them when they want. But someone like me is gonna go freaking awesome, as many ebooks as I want, and I'm gonna like download ten of them a month, and they're gonna go broke. But the problem is, where are you gonna get the shelf space for those ebooks? They're so heavy. You need bookcases. I think those are the issues you have to deal with. Paul. Yeah, I, I tweeted out the other day. Grandma says, uh, you know, ebooks on sale for four ninety nine. We better buy it before they run out. <laughs> Because <laughs> ebooks yeah, I mean, run out over from Poland, man. <laughs> well, and that, and actually, I think that what we're starting to see this is, and we see this in the book world of electronic books as well as with uh, many, many other things, including digital goods in uh, MMOs. But uh, artificial scarcity is going to be one of the most important mm-hmm. economic uh, entities in 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 the remainder of our lifetimes. It's it's going to be what makes it profitable for people to jump in and. Uh, create new things because they're exclusive to, you know, this, this particular digital item in a game. And, or- and you know what, Brian, none of that's going to take off until I can bequeath my, or I can exchange or give my product to someone else. Uh, right now, as it stands, other than the DRM free stuff, I can't give it to, you know, friends or children or anyone. I- I'd argue that Kickstarter already is accomplishing that. I mean, Kickstarter, you, you get the scarcity because you're buying into things that you only get so many of if you buy into it. This is true. I mean, yeah, if it's actually successful. They have, I was about to say that. That's funny you, you bring that up. I was thinking, you know, they come out with a new gizmo, whatever, and then, you know, the, they have a hundred of them. You can get in for 10 bucks, but you got to get in now, and that gets it rolling. You know, then it goes up to 15 bucks, if, and, you know, you, you sort of run out of the cheap ones, so it drives people into it. Call yeah, now. But the interaction, <laughs> I mean, the, the fundamental of the economy is that Brian said the interaction of, supply and demand and if supply becomes meaningless as a concept right all bets are off well and and but that's just it is is i think we're so familiar with that to this point and so many of our institutions and even the way we're built biologically and genetically we we enjoy the pleasure of anticipation in many ways for example if you go to um i forget if it's on xbox or on i think it's the playstation network if you if you go around in their little virtual world you have to wait in a line to get into right. uh, to get a bowling lane <laughs> and it's like they're they're infinite they're they're imaginary constructs and they could have infinite of them but they know that that would make people less happy to see bajillions of empty lanes and just go up and use one so in order to create this atmosphere that that genetically evolutionarily we want to be in a crowded place so we want to wait just a little bit and chit chat while we get ready for the excitement of bowling and so they they provide that all artificially it's the digital velvet rope Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. 
Well, we're and, seeing and a lot a, of uh, virtual uh, items being sold. Uh, you're looking at some of the top iOS money makers right now in, in the App Store are games that give themselves away for free. But hey, if you want that little extra edge and that one level that you're having a hard time, hey, you can buy the big bombs for only 99 cents. We'll give you 500 of these bombs that don't exist. And It's really popular to hate those programs, but I actually think they're wonderful because what it does is it guarantees essentially the people who care the most about the game subsidize the game for everyone else. They make it possible for everyone else to play, right. to play for free. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, like... Uh, if you enjoy a game, you've, you've spent, you know, 100 hours on the damn thing, you don't mind throwing the, you know, the app developer a buck or two, and you get uh, Thor's hammer or whatever. Sure. And, I, and I, I, I think we're more willing to, you know, even, you know, spend 99 cents to get those make-believe bombs than if it said, than if it had a donate button. There's this idea of the exchange. I'm getting something that I'm right. paying for. Right. Yeah. Well, and the other problem with the donate button is that your your memory gets kind of uh, cloudy because uh, I can't remember how much I donated. One of my favorite podcasts is uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast, and at some point I remember giving him fifty bucks. And after that moment, every time he mentions that he runs the site on donations, I think, "Oh, I'm paid up. I'm paid up." Yeah. It's been like four years now, and it's like clearly I owe him another fifty bucks. But I, in my mind, category, <laughs> it's all checkbox. I already gave. Or him psychologically, you've done that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I got I got the ring. So does Sir Jimmy. <laughs> I am Sir Paul, by the way. And Dvorak still owes us an oh, appearance yeah, on the I, show. I, I, it, took, it took me a second to figure out what, <laughs> what, what this was. You guys have been knighted. I got it. That's right. Yeah, they got it's they got the deal now. It's thirty three, thirty three, and you can get the pin now. They they're like they'll drive you into the next knighthood. You don't have to give us another you know another grand. It's just. Uh, Okay, so you can actually buy the, the, the night item, the, the second night item they came out with. See, like, w- see how our discussion is yep. going? Yeah, yeah. See how these little virtual trinkets work? It's awesome. Because it now I'm thinking, <laughs> hey, 34 bucks. <laughs> they haven't bucks. even made them yet. They haven't even been designed, but they're collecting money for them already. I'm already what thinking. What would Amazon say? order one. But, and, and just so I'm clear, this is the No Agenda podcast we're talking about, right? NoAgendaShow.com. Yeah, so, okay. In the morning. <laughs> Because what they've done is they've gamified the the giving game. Like essentially, you're earning badges that are status symbols. Right. Yeah. Badges. Mm-hmm. We don't need no badges. We don't need no stinking <laughs> badges. Okay. In the morning. All right. <laughs> so, Fifty Shades of Grey. <clears throat> last year, gentlemen, of course, number one book selling everywhere. The Never whole series it. going nuts. Never heard of it. <laughs> We can be, but but uh, Paul, we can be more proud of the comic book world. Where Walking Dead number one hundred was the number one comic book for the yes. year. I think we can all agree. Yes, that's a better story than fifty whatever's. That's of whatever. only because E.L. James hasn't thought about making a comic book yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently, the Great Northern Paper Company in Millinocket, Maine. Uh, they've been open since 1900, and they were having some hard times. Uh, just not a lot of paper pulp being sold. And then along came E.L. James and the Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, they got the contract to print that this little book called Fifty wow. Shades of Grey. <laughs> uh, so apparently now they're, they're, they've added 37 jobs in the mill since this book came out. <laughs> and they are basically on the uh, road to recovery. 
There you go. Sex is the way that's going to get us out of this depression. That's right. Sex I always mean, gets you out I of mean, depression. <laughs> I mean, I love the free market, but come on, people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what? Do we have any comic book news? Uh, anything happening, Professor Allen? Anything new? We've got uh, some major uh, major things in the world of Spider-Man. Oh, then we better uh, play comic books, comic books, comic books. <laughs> no show prep, folks. Zero. Zero show uh, prep. See, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, sp- sp- Spider-Man's body currently inhabited by Dr. Octopus. That's all I'm saying. Spider-Man 700, and then the, they rolled it into a new title, uh, a new number one, Collector's Edition. I love the tagline you know, they put at the top of Amazing Spider-Man, the world's deadest superhero. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> but you know the rule. I mean, it, it, is, it relates to the, to, to the issue of scarcity we were talking about. One thing I always tell my students when we talk about collectibles, that if the item says collector's edition on it, <laughs> it is not. That's right. That is the one ironclad rule of how you know it's not a collector's uh, now, Professor Allen, we know nobody stays dead, uh, and I'm not up to on the latest retconning of all the Spider-Man uh, universe. Is Aunt May still alive? Is she alive again? I have no idea. I have no idea at this point. Be the only, only one that, the only one they actually managed to managed to keep dead was uh, was uh, actually the uh peter's uncle uncle ben is about the right. only comic character who successfully stayed dead no i'm just thinking because dr octopus has had sex with aunt may he's like had a sexual ongoing actual they got married at one point and he's now in peter parker's body and just saying it's a little bit on and the creepy dur- side <laughs> and well, during during that process Peter got to experience all of Doc Ock's memories, and let's just leave it at that. Oh, yeah, no. but now Doc Ock might be doing Mary Jane, which is like creating all kinds of ripples about, well, if it's a guy who's inside of another guy's body doing his ex-girlfriend, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> I th- Are they I think, allowed uh, to be married in the Marvel Universe? I'm not even sure about that. <laughs> I, th- well, I, I think all the writers on, this, uh, through, so. on the new Amazing Spider-Man, uh, I think they've all been doing a lot of Mary Jane. Just saying. It's quite, it, <laughs> this is an interesting story. Uh, we got some books on film and television, my friend. I know we have a jingle for that. and This is how it works. I'll let it all out in post. <laughs> books on film and television. I missed this totally in November, December. Uh, you guys remember Darth Vader and Son, the children's book? It was so cute. I had no idea there is a Darth Vader, uh, Darth Vader's Little Princess so they made a version for uh, fans of Star Wars who have little girls. And it's really cute. And, you know, he's taking her out for ice cream just like he did with the boy. So it's him and little Leia. Just saying, kind of cute. And it looking not like... Little, to anyone, nobody else, not, that's not creepy? Just me? Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> Dark Lord of the Sith. Dark Lord of the Sith. Oh, no, he's, he's totally out of character in these books. That's for sure. Uh, it's looking oh, like want some ice cream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn the car around right now. Uh, Luke Skywalker is going to be the primary focus of the new Star Wars trilogy, and I got that from like four different sources. Uh, we still have no idea, but it looks like I'm guessing Mark Hamill's got you know he's got the year free. Just saying. <laughs> I wish it was a video podcast. I show you how everyone Actually, from the original I- looks like right now. They're staring at their phones. <laughs> 
I don't I don't know if that's the case because we've already seen a recast of everyone in Star Trek. And in fact, uh, my my co-host on NSFW, Justin Robert Young, and I have had a blast trying to think of who would we cast a modern day version of, uh, we'll say, you know, Zahn's uh, Heir to the Empire trilogy nowadays. And, and, you know, a lot of really great names popped up from actors. And uh, I, of course, none of them I can remember right now. But uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing a whole new cast. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe, uh, one of the things I think uh, Geek t- Geek Tyrant was saying is that uh, it's rather than do uh, like an Abrams Star Trek reboot, it's going to be a, a true sequel. They're going to involve as much of the original cast as they can, which I believe, other than those that have passed away, they've all, uh, including Harrison Ford, said they'd be interested in a passing the torch moment. So I'm guessing Harrison Ford probably won't survive past the first movie, and he'll, he'll probably won't be in it a lot. But you know, Solo will at some point. You know, hey, look, this is my son, Solo Junior. You know, uh, well, they've done a lot in the books with the kids. You know, and and with a next generation and a generation after right. that of Solos and Skywalkers, etc. So, so Disney wants to do a trilogy so like every three years for Christ's sake. I mean, they're they're going nuts. So if you're looking for the Zon trilogy, I think that's going to be the the three movies after these three movies. Uh, but they, they really want to go it hard. Like every two years, Star Wars film. Every two years, a Star Wars film. So in six years from now, we might have already seen the Zon trilogy. But they want to uh, have the characters mingle with new characters. Who are they're going to take uh, Star Wars into the next you know twenty thirty years, and they're I'll probably going to lock them into contract pretty good. <laughs> I mean, they could do whatever they want with the story. They could go as far away from the Zong book as as they want, as long as they they do right by Grand Admiral Thrawn. I would love him to Ooh. be the, this trilogy's big bad guy. Yeah, I don't know that fun. they're going to do anything with any of the book continuity though. They've said they are just abandoning that whole thing, which seems ridiculous. Let me dream. Don't take this away from me. <laughs> I'm just the evil disembodied voice. <laughs> you know, guys, we're well, going to take a quick break. It gets very confusing. I don't know who, who did the publishing rights, but if that's under, say, Warner, of course, Warner, a big competitor of Disney, and so some of those legal wranglings, I mean, mm. a few billion dollars here and there can always sort, you know, can sort those things out. But Until Disney uh, buys Warner. I mean, really. They're going to buy everyone. <laughs> Love you, Disney. We'll take any offer. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We've been going at it for more than well half past the show. Uh, going to play the Reading Rainbow, as done by uh, Jimmy Fallon with his band. Oh, Pretending to be the Doors. <laughs> so good. So, so, good. so we're going to do that. We're going to take a little quick break, and we're going to refill our drinks, put ink back into our pens. Do all that kind of stuff. We'll be right back. Take a look, it's in a book. 
Goodship, author of The Camera Guy on Amazon, and you're listening to The Book Guys. Hey, Paul. This is Orson Scott Card. I thought I was the book guy. Now I find out you're the book guy. What am I? Oh, I guess I'm just the author of Ender's Game. Huh? Book Guys! And we are back. What's that, Sir Jimmy? Ooh, the wobbling pencil trick. <laughs> So we got a couple more uh, quick stories here. Books on film and television continued. Uh, Stephen King's Under the Dome confirmed TV series is coming out this summer. You think that can last as a series? I think it'd make a good movie. Yeah. It's like that one with the submarine. What was that called? Um, uh, you know. You said Under the Dome? Yes. A series. Is Polly is Polly Shore in it? <laughs> no, probably that was not. Biodome. Oh. Biodome. What was that show was with, the, with the submarine that uh, refuses to fire on Pakistan? That's another one. It could have oh, been. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Could have been a good movie me about that. That's uh, yeah. She was watching it and she started taping it and I deleted it by accident. <laughs> yeah, she said that was pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm not the deleting part. <laughs> well, that's another one of these shows. Or they didn't come to a conclusion in the story. They just played the rest of the episodes they had and. I don't think uh, TV uh, networks should do that ever. I mean, the word, they yeah. should, you know what? Come up with the $3 million, make that one episode that closes out the story, do a half-assed job of it. Just don't leave it open like that, because next time you come up with a new TV show, I'm not investing the time yeah, in, in watching iTunes, 12 seasons, you know, 12 put episodes. Put it out there. Yeah. Put it on the YouTubes. Brian, what was that show where the, the, the people... From the you know the the Navy hijacked the the boat and they refused to shoot the nuclear weapon at uh, Pakistan and all right. Is it a TV show? It was. Yeah. Uh, you know I don't know that one. I think I think that was. Oh, that's right. It was the boat that wouldn't shoot at Pakistan. That's, that's it, right. Paul. That's the one. <laughs> the hunt for blue Pakistan. <laughs> hey, hey, another guy who doesn't won't shoot at Pakistan. He doesn't like guns except in like four or five episodes in the old classic series. But uh, it's looking like J.K. Rowling may be one of the British authors pegged to uh, do one of the episodes in the 50th year 
of Doctor Who. Interesting. They're looking like Neil Gaiman, of course, confirmed. He's got one this year. He's awesome. Love Neil Gaiman. The, Dude, the, I- the, Neil, the Neil Gaiman one from a couple of years ago was still one of the best. You really had a handle on it. Yeah, the doctor's wife. You really proved yes. he had a handle on it. Yeah. I fell completely off of what I watched the when I was a kid, I watched the hell out of Doctor Who, but then I only watched the first season with Christopher Eccleston. And then I slipped behind and I never got caught up until we watched. Uh, I introduced my eight year old daughter to the Christmas special, having no idea if she'd like it or not. But man, oh, man, did she love Doctor Who after that. And she has been watching all of them on Netflix. Just chew it. Just every 30 minutes downstairs on the Xbox. I hear that's <laughs> <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen doing some great voice work on that episode as the uh, great intelligence. I think uh, so, yeah, it took me a second to, to figure out it was him. Yeah, well, they had all these effects on him and stuff, right? But uh, I think the great intelligence is going to be the enemy in the 50th. This is not a spoiler because I'm pulling it out of my butt. Uh, I think we're finally going to see the backstory or a little bit of the backstory of the Doctor being the third Time Lord who helped create... Uh, Tardises, as the other they call him, because he's been forgotten for some reason. His any any uh, information on this character has been wiped from all the databases of the universe. Just saying, having a little <laughs> little nerd uh, moment there. <laughs> so, Mister Luoma, what's going on at GlowInTheDarkRadio.com nowadays? Well, let's see. I've got a brand new short story and a new anthology that just came out from Black Oak Media. The anthology is called Hunting Ghosts, Thrilling Tales of Paranormal Investigation. And I've got a new Alibi Jones story actually in the anthology. It's a science fiction ghost story. I give the, the listeners a little bit of an uh, overview on Alibi Jones. Cause we, we talked about uh, a lot about the Vatican assassin last time, but who is Alibi Jones? Alibi Jones is the son of the Vatican assassin. Uh-huh. Well, you know, at the end of Vatican assassin, things are kind of neatly wrapped up, so I had to come up with a new character and i'm a self-publisher at least my first books were self-published and i had a lot of beta readers who helped me you know put them out and at the end of reading the last book in the vatican assassin trilogy you meet alibi as a little kid as a three-year-old and one of my beta readers she's like you better be writing an alibi jones book and so it was one of my beta readers who kind of planted the seed and and, uh, alibi is a mediator for the solar alliance He's out there as like the human race is starting to expand into what is already a settled universe. And he's kind of negotiating treaties and stuff for humanity with aliens and, and trying to pave our way, as it were, into the, the greater universe. Now, do the Pastafarians and, survive into the future? Does the what? The Pastafarians. I, I haven't run across them yet. Okay. <laughs> It'd be fun to, to, to come across an entire planet of Pastafarians. What would be great is to run across <laughs> Pastafarians who have become completely dogmatic and, uh, and, and like they're, they're the religious oppressors of all those around them. And then there's the what Orthodox Pastafarian. <laughs> like the Frank Herbert version of Pastafarian. Is that like uh, Italian Bob Marley? Those, those are those flying spaghetti. The monster. Yeah, those are tongue-in-cheek followers of the flying spaghetti mar- monster, which essentially is, is like an, uh, an argument for atheism wrapped up as a religion. And you, and you get to wear a pirate outfit. That's, uh, you know, a lot of kids uh, claim to be Pastafarian so they uh, can wear the pirate outfit at school. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't know if the Pastafarians are still around because Alibi hasn't come across them. So we'll go. leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> I just published uh, the, the second Alibi Jones novel, and I've also been publishing Alibi Jones as a comic book. 
And um, now that I'm taking over my comics again, I'm, I'm putting out a new Alibi Jones comic that actually is an expanded version of one that Earthbound had done. So I've, I've got him going in print as, as, a, as a graphic figure. He's in novels and also in audiobooks. So I'm trying to make Alibi Jones king of all media in some way. Now, like now you Americanos, story. you get a, um, quite a <laughs> advantage in, in the self-publishing world because you already have like a social insurance number uh, being an American. Uh, for me to switch some of the stuff I had on iTunes from free to 99 cents, now I have to open a new account. And uh, step one, it says, get, get this kind of number from the uh, IRS. <laughs> six weeks later. Oh, tax number. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Oh, Jesus. In six weeks. I did try calling them twice. On hold for like an hour and some odd. They, they don't care that you're calling from Canada. They're just, please hold. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I would imagine I that shoes th- off the van th- real fast. Yeah. I, th- yeah I, th- I think calling from Canada puts you at the bottom of the list. I'm sorry, the queue. Pretty much. Pretty much. I just want to sell some ringtones. We don't, we don't really have to answer his tax questions, do we? <laughs> so I'm still waiting on my IRS tax number so I can uh, put some things on the iTunes store. Some fun stuff. Okay, yeah, actually, my glow, my glow in the Dark Radio podcast is in the iTunes store. So you can get my books there. You can get my podcast there. It's, it's, yeah, like you say, it's nice being American, I guess. What's, <laughs> one, uh, stop, right? one stop shopping. What's the Glow in the Dark Radio podcast about? Because we do talk podcasts here, too. Well, I, I, I read my books. I actually present the chapters of my books on the podcast. Right now, I'm reading the new Alibi Jones novel week to week, and we just did chapter 20 the week before. We'll be doing. Chapter 21 coming up. And you also post them to uh, patio books, I believe? Well, what I do is I, I podcast the novel on my podcast, chapter by chapter, and then when it's done, load it up as a complete audiobook to patio books. So I've actually got four complete novels up there, the Vatican Assassin Trilogy and the first Alibi book. But this new Alibi Jones book won't be up there until I've done the weekly podcast with it. Nice. See, I, I, like I always it. wait for even like... Uh, any of the stuff on potty books, the serialized ones, I always wait for them all to be done. Do you, do you well, find that you get a lot of hits, like you right when you're done? They're actually moving to a, a case where they're, gonna, um, they're, they're, they're not going to accept books now at potty books until they're done. So that's why I'm waiting on this one. Uh-huh. I think that makes sense because you don't want to get left in the lurch as we were talking about canceled TV shows or that yeah. sort of thing. You don't want to be caught up in the story and for whatever reason, the author, the process falls apart. So I think there, there's some logic to that decision. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want books to fade. No. You know, podcasts can fade, but books fading is a bad thing. And Mr. Brushwood, we've talked about on the show before about your podcasts. Uh, and yeah, SFW. too many of them. And so many of them that apparently I have to upgrade my... Hold on, I need to make another upgrade to my studio here. <laughs> uh, actually, that's, that's kind of only half a joke. You know, I, I have a background in live stage performing, and uh, it's almost as though this studio is my own little TARDIS where I don't have to get on airplanes and fly right. to other places. I can perform for the whole world just up in my own spare bedroom. So, uh, uh, but NSFW on Tuesday nights and of course, uh, scam school, I'm getting ready to kind of double down on scam school. I'm going to start doing some, uh, extra episodes here and there. And, uh, we of course just launched scamstuff.com, which, uh, is a place, you know, a lot of people keep asking me, where can I get, you know, double backed cards for this trick or a double headed quarter for this trick or whatever. And, uh, we're just going to make all that available at scamstuff.com. If my mouse made a clicking sound, you'd be hearing me right now, bookmarking that. 
Yeah. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I have got more than my share of free beer since I have I started watching scams. You have no idea how happy that makes me because you know there's a lot of shows, all magic shows, the subtext tends to be I'm awesome and you're not. And scam school is the reverse. It's like, no, you're awesome. You just need to do these tricks and you will be the life of the party. And uh, it really impresses me that very few people just watch the show and don't try them. Sooner or later, they see something that they're like, oh, I could do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> You've got oh, some yeah, amazing stuff on You need, stuff a, you on need a coaster. You got a coaster, somebody with a cigarette, and in there you've drawn somebody in because you need a cigarette if you don't smoke, and a quarter, and boom, you got a free beer. Yep, totally. Or, That's or, a <laughs> or new friends. You. You've got this well organized. I like the scam pack. You got the a whole collection for thirty four ninety nine. It's got the glass with your BB logo on it. Love it. Yeah, we're getting ready to do another. We're trying to get a, a one or two releases every month. I'm really excited about this next release. I don't want to tip what it is, but uh, but it should be very exciting. We like when people tip what the things on the show. No, you'll get nothing out of me, copper. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> I like the pint glass. That's great. Yeah, no, the scam pack is uh, it's it's we provide links for it but it's enough little knickknacks that you would find stuff that would just be a pain in the butt to go get you could right. go to the drugstore and buy a friction pen for three dollars that would let you do this one trick we throw one in there you could go and get the right type of of um you know uh, matchbooks in order to do this one trick but we get them for you and we pre-prepare them by flipping them around and stuff basically you know we save you about three hours of legwork going around and getting right. all this crap and throw it all in a uh, brian brush with pint glass that uh, the whole thing's only thirty four ninety nine. Nice, that and you get awesome. uh, strippers with any purchase for only five dollars. <laughs> That's what it says. Well, just don't don't explain it. Just leave it. Let All that right. hang right there. That's right. Scamstuff.com. Check it out. <laughs> so, what's on your to read list, gentlemen? What's going on? I, I've got William Ken Kruger's Ordinary Grace. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, I am in the middle of an audiobook. Uh, the oh, I don't remember what the name of the title is. I'm awful with titles, names. People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. Uh, it's oh, been, okay. Awesome. The audio book is not very well read. The guy, it's almost like they're holding a gun to his head. You must read the audio book now. Uh, oh. But uh, I would rather pick this one up in paper format. But uh, interesting where they take, you know, uh, historical events and rather than go by the official story, they go by the guy, the, the guy at the barbershop who had some information on it or, you know, the actual soldier in Vietnam, what they thought about it, the guy that was actually in the, you know, the protests for Vietnam, that kind of thing, rather than going to official sources like, you know, the New York Post or, you know, Washington Post, whatever. Uh, interesting. I will bring that up definitely next week for sure. And uh, Sir Jimmy, free hollow book still being hollowed out. I love oh, your yeah, banner. Yeah, yeah. We're not a video show yet. I love your banner, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely need to, you know, maybe get online and find a, a little better video camera than this one i got at big lots uh, around christmas for five dollars but uh nice it, it did solve the the problem of using my ipad separately for the video and then going doing all the go to meeting stuff through my through my laptop but uh yeah all in out a lot of books tons of books um nothing real interesting but uh you know it's it's crazy with with all the you know the goings on with guns and everybody seems like everybody's in a hurry to hide theirs. That's right. Lots of free hollow books being sold. <laughs> yes. And a lot are going to Texas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, Texas for sure. People well, sending me their books, which we do, you know, like here's a book that is everybody knows I have, and they will have no idea that that now is where I'm hiding something. So they send me their book, and you know, I make a little spot inside it for them to hide something, and boom, right back on the shelf or on the coffee table. And you, you've had people actually like bind custom books, right? And send you like 40 at a time. I'm not going to mention any names because they probably don't want. Oh yeah. Well in particular, I had, had a guy one time who wanted to propose to his wife who was a librarian and he wanted a book that said, he wanted the title, how to love a librarian. And he wanted the book so massive. He wanted to be able to uh, put a bunch of things inside of it, flowers, a wedding uh, engagement ring and, and some other stuff and, and use it in his proposal to his wife. And have you know the title on it, and then once that was over, he still wanted it to be useful. He wanted it to fit her laptop inside of for her to be able to hide it while she was <laughs> in transit, you know, going you know to work on the bus. So yeah, because nobody steals books. Anything. Nobody steals books anymore. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I sent one to a guy in Colombia to put in um, uh, a MacBook Air inside of because his wife has to take it to work every day, and she takes public transit. And he, he basically told me if, if she took it out and wouldn't give it to somebody that wanted it, that she would be killed for a wow. MacBook Air in Columbia, South America. So, wow. yeah. Portable computing is high on their list of uh, wants, I guess. Yes, wow. absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, Sir Jimmy, I've got a lot of obsolete textbooks lying around the office. There's God, some of those are pretty darn thick. I've got I to gotta figure out something for you to... Uh, so, so, something I need hidden, hidden and we, something. We, we know you got some stuff to hide. We'll hey, now, wait a minute there. now. Wait a minute. I'd like to say the book no, I show I... does not condone putting uh, loaded handguns into <laughs> hollow books, especially if you have children in the home. <laughs> oh, no, no. We, we state that uh, absolutely. They're not meant for everyday storage. But, you know, if you got a concealed carry permit and you, you have your gun in your car, and you want it there beside you, but you don't want it just out where you, you pull up beside some guy and he's in a Range Rover and he's looking down into your car. You don't want them to be able to see it, but it's in a book. You flip open the top. There it is. You know, it's perfectly legal. It's, you know, it's, it's America. Take a look. It's in a book. What, one of my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> bringing it right back around, Professor Allen. Very good. <laughs> one of my favorite subreddits, Murica, M-U-R-I-C-A. Oh, by the way, I just I started up a, uh, a book guys uh, subreddit. Sorry, Sir Jimmy, walking all over you. <laughs> That's all right. Last time we had Brian on, we talked about him coming up with a trick with a hollow book, and just wonder if he's had time to think about it. Yeah, uh, I actually have not. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but but you know what? We have late breaking news that um, <laughs> we. <laughs> I'm going to go back real quick to um, some comic book news that just broke as we recorded this. Uh, it was something that I had heard about, um, but was not allowed to say anything. But it's uh, Deadline New York is uh, reporting that uh, Dan Trachtenberg of the Totally Rad Show, formerly of Totally Rad Show, and of the, um, the awesome Portal Short, has uh, just been announced that he is directing the feature adaptation of Why the Last Man, one of my favorite comic books. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. A great, a great, great comic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Six, 60 issues, tells a complete story, a beginning, middle, and end. Terrific. Uh, yes, and uh, the stuff Dan uh, has, has told me that he wants to do just sounds amazing. I'm very excited for him. This is very big, big news. And 
Mike Luoma, Mr. Brushwood, Professor Allen, Sir Jimmy. We've been at it for an hour. That's usually when the music comes on there. It's not automatic. i got to press the button. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> Appreciate having you all on. Scam School. Shwood.com. Yeah. Professor Allen. Professor's blog. FreeHollowBooks.com. Go to BookGuys.ca, folks. You can find links to everybody's website. And we post all the show notes, little links that we talked about during the show. And we will see you again next week. Padre will be back. We'll have one of the animators from The Simpsons on. It's going to be fun. All Simpsons episode next week. Yay! <laughs> see you next week, folks. Same book time, same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. All the book guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. Thank you.